All right. Um, hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Design Unmuted. Today, I'm very happy to welcome my friend Sabah Farmat as a guest on the podcast today. Uh, before we get started, I want to acknowledge that we are here on the stolen and ceded lands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh people. And um very grateful to live on these lands that have been stewarded uh, by the indigenous peoples of these lands and uh, doing our very best to to honor them. So uh, without further ado, Sabah Farman is a landscape designer, community builder, and just vibe bringer. So vibe <laughs> <laughs> bringer. Could you please introduce yourself? to the audience. Sure. Well, thank you, First Divine, for inviting me here today. This is really exciting being here at uh, your first kind of real professional setup. This is legit. Um, I'm a landscape architect um, born here in Vancouver. My family immigrated from Iran um, to Vancouver. Um, yeah, just live in Vancouver, specifically the um, part of town that's today known as um, East Vancouver um, in the Mount Pleasant neighborhood there. Mm -hmm. um, and I may be better known for <laughs> starting East Van Boulevard Gardens, which um, we're going to talk about today. Yes, I would really like to get into how you got started into that. Um, and also about your journey into landscape architecture as well, because mm. as we know, a lot of people don't know about landscape architecture and um, our profession doesn't have a lot of people of color as well. So uh, I'm very excited to hear about uh, your journey and your ex what your experience has been like and how that has also led you to uh, this amazing community project, mm. um, which I should mention, has garnered a lot of attention and a lot mm -hmm. of meaning in the community. Um, Saba has been leading a lot of tours last summer and also gar garnering a lot of attention. Sometimes not always great, which we will hear more about. <laughs> the drama. <Ooh. laughs> There's a little bit of drama. spicy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So before we begin, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about... Um, uh, your journey into landscape architecture. Sure, yeah. My my journey into landscape architecture, yeah. It's like you said, it's a very below-the-radar um, profession that doesn't get very much attention and therefore not many people know about it. Um, but how I got started, um, I think we should really begin in high school. Um, the uh, kind of latter years of my high school, um, I wasn't... I wasn't living the most righteous or, or um, wasn't really on the best path, let's say. Wasn't living a very positive life. Um, uh, luckily, my big sister, she was looking out for her baby bro. Um, she convinced me that I should study hard enough for my provincials. Mind you, my grades were like I was barely graduating. So she's like, just study hard enough for your provincials so you have an option to go to university or college after you graduate high school. So uh, she kind of whipped my butt into gear to study enough for my provincials where I got uh, barely good enough grades in those that I was accepted into uh, just one of the three local <laughs> universities that I applied to, the uh, University of Victoria, shout mm -hmm. out UVic. Um, I went there for my undergrad and the first kind of first portion of undergrad wasn't great. Um, I was um, struggling hard I, academically. I was on academic probation within like the first term. Um, <laughs> wasn't looking good for the boy. <laughs> <laughs> but look at you now. <laughs> yeah, but luckily there were a series of um, fortunate kind of events that. Um, uh, so the first biggest important thing was um, I stumbled upon an art history course uh, during my undergrad, which mm -hmm. I ended up majoring in. And, you know, who would have thought that UVic, of all places, would have a very good um, Islamic art and architecture program, mm -hmm. specifically with uh, two um, PhD doctorates who were uh, professors in Persian art and architecture. Mm -hmm. So um, naturally, as a Persian person myself, um, I found a lot of the content in that 
course. Uh, very um, intriguing, interesting, engaging. And for the first time in my life, I started getting like A pluses, like 90 plus, like really, really high grades, right? Mm. So um, things started to set in motion for the better in like towards the latter end of second year, which is also the time that I met um, who was then my college sweetheart, um, who's now my wife, (laughs) Um, who was a very positive influence um, in my life and a very bright uh, person. Um, I remember one of the first times we hung out, um, she actually wrote in one of the courses I was struggling in political science, she wrote my term paper for me. <laughs> so I don't know if we can call it a date, but like one of our first dates. Uh, you scored. Yeah, big Literally. time. Literally. Big time. <laughs> Landscape architecture during this time kind of kept popping up at random times. Um, one of my professors, while we were learning about um, mostly Islamic art and arch- or, sorry, architecture, um, the gar- tradition of garden design, like the Mughal gardens mm-hmm. and Chahar Bagh's, like four gardens, which is a Persian garden typology. Um, we were learning about these things. He mentioned to me landscape architecture. Um, I think my mother-in-law kind of mentioned it also because she mm-hmm. was also interested in gardening. Um, and I was also in the summers when I'd come back from UVic and live in, with my family at their home um, here in Vancouver, my next door neighbor happened to be a landscape architect. So Whoa. he kind of put me under his wing and he was really my first mentor. And one of those summers I was working as a landscaper um, and on the site that I was working on, Paul Senga, a local uh, prominent mm. landscape architect here, it was one of his projects. And I met him. I got to shout him out, too, because uh, he invited me to his office for like an office visit. So that was mm-hmm. my first kind of real office visit. And yeah, just ended up learning more about landscape architecture through that and applied to the program at UBC. And that's where I got my master's. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that story with us. <laughs> That's amazing. So I'm also interested um, in learning more if um, kind of like your background in uh, art history, how mm. that influences your work today. Mm. Yeah, I've never really thought about that, to be honest. Um, I think it was really, uh, I see it more as, I don't know if it influences my work that mm. much, but I, I really, the takeaway for me was it was a uh, important stepping stone, a realization that I'm really interested in um, architectural history and architecture. And um, around the same time, I was spending a lot more time in nature. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, yeah. As you know, I don't do too much design work. My work right now is mainly related to planning and policy, like mm-hmm. my nine to five work, not my East End Boulevard Gardens work. Yeah. <laughs> so I bet if I was a designer, though, I'd, I'd love to, you know, implement a lot of um, a lot of Persian and, and Islamic art and architectural components into my designs. Yeah. I mean, you, you are a designer. You're a community building designer. <laughs> I guess what, so. what you yeah. have done, I think, has actually put landscape architecture on the map a whole lot more than uh, when we talk within our Mm. community ourselves because you've brought it out into the community Uh. um, and shown how it's around us. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's always been a major passion of mine. Even when I first like graduated from landscape architecture program, um, this kind of um, strong burning desire to promote our profession and like make make people realize like yo like you've ever sat in a park under a tree or (laughs) walked along a path (laughs) yeah yeah walked along a path by the ocean or Mm -hmm. gone through a forest like uh, that's the work that landscape architects do like just Mm -hmm. the importance of spreading the word and that's related um very much in line with one of my bigger kind of passion projects that I did almost 10 years ago now. Uh, Shout out to my boy, Paul Alvey. He was a videographer. (laughs) I was a struggling landscape architect. (laughs) We were both in between jobs at the time. And we uh, combined our passions of, uh, he's a videographer in landscape architecture. We combined those passions and we created a video series on landscape architecture in Metro Vancouver. And major goal of that was to promote the profession of landscape architecture to the general public. Oh, okay. And, um, just to touch on something you mentioned earlier, um, it's really important to promote the profession to a broader audience than what the typical landscape architectural and design material uh, usually reaches. Um, it's not a very diverse profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
one of the things I'm extremely proud about with my project is uh, my walking tours, which we'll get to later. Mm -hmm. You see a great diversity of not only ages, but also, um, you know, the way people look. <laughs> There's um, all sorts of people at my tours. And I'm pretty sure if you'd go to a typical garden tour, you wouldn't see that level of diversity. I think you're absolutely right. Actually, let's get into it. Um, and before we get into it, being aware that a lot of people don't know what a boulevard garden is, uh, yeah, we could, we begin, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> could we begin with, um, can you give us a little bit of, a, of an introduction to somebody who's never heard what a boulevard garden is? Yes, yeah. Um, so uh, the standard kind of road, um, sidewalk configuration in most areas of our city is we have the road in the middle where the cars drive and park. Mm -hmm. And then we have the sidewalk several feet um, further away from the road going parallel to it. So you have road, sidewalk. And in between the road and the sidewalk is the boulevard. Um, so the boulevard is typically grass, lawn. That's like the default treatment. Mm -hmm. And on the boulevard, we typically have street trees, uh, electricity poles, lamp posts, um, and the default treatment of the boulevard, like I said, is lawn. And so a boulevard garden is anytime uh, anyone comes and replaces that lawn with any sort of what I like to call garden-like intervention mm -hmm. in the broadest sense of the word. They rip up that lawn and install a garden in pots, plants, right. a bench, right. um, anything. I call that a boulevard garden, and most people would call that a boulevard garden, too, <laughs> if you asked them, I guess. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, so my project documents each, it started on Instagram where I document each and every boulevard garden that I mm -hmm. see. Yeah, yeah, I guess, like, those boulevard gardens really stand out because most of boulevards are typically grass, which is often not even that well-maintained. Um, so I actually just want to ask you to think back on have those initial interests in starting to notice them and document them? Hmm, good question. Yeah. Um, so really, uh, since my project is on Instagram, um, the, idea, the whole idea of starting this project was to create an Instagram account um, where I posted photos of every single Boulevard Garden I saw. And this was partly inspired by um, other Instagram people who were doing similar things, but mm. not with Boulevard Gardens in mm. my neighborhood. So um, I moved to, uh, my wife and I moved to Mount Pleasant um, in East Vancouver about um, over, over 10 years ago now. Um, we've lived in different parts of it. Um, and Mount Pleasant is in East Van and there's a couple of Instagram accounts that I started following, like mm -hmm. um, East Van Hoops, where he takes mm -hmm. a picture of every kind of basketball hoop he sees around East Van. And, okay. and I play basketball, so I'm naturally drawn to that. Um, but then um, I'm a landscape architect, so I was also uh, drawn to East Van Gates and Garages. I hope that's uh, his right handle. But he <laughs> takes pictures of interesting gates and garages and fences that mm -hmm. he sees around East Van. And around that same time, um, my wife and I love going on walks. Like, we're like old people trapped in <laughs> <laughs> not so young bodies. <laughs> we go on long walks often. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm always taking pictures of stuff. And I thought, man, it would be cool if you just documented and captured every boulevard garden you saw. And mm -hmm. so that's, that's, how, um, that's how it started. All right, I just want to take a moment to thank the Real Estate Foundation of BC for sponsoring this episode of Design Unmuted. The Real Estate Foundation of BC is a philanthropic organization working to advance sustainable land use and real estate practices in British Columbia. They do this by funding projects, connecting people, and sharing knowledge. Their grants support not-for-profit organizations working to improve BC communities and natural environments through responsible and informed land use, conservation, and real estate practices. They're particularly interested in land use projects that contribute to the upholding of indigenous rights and title and racial equity and justice. You can learn more at www.refbc.com. Thank you for your support of Design Unmuted. Now, let's get back to it. Amazing. And when did you start the Instagram account? 
it was pre-COVID. A lot of people mm -hmm. think it was a COVID project, but it was pre-COVID, uh, I want to say by like a year or 18 months. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looks it looks great. Like, <laughs> I, I really do encourage everybody who's not following that account to go follow, especially if you live in Vancouver um, and go to the tours in the summers. I think you do you do them other yeah, times uh, other than the summer? April. I, I just do like them once spring? a year now. Yeah. April. Yeah. Yeah. Coinciding with Earth Day. Oh, great. Yeah, of course. Mm, well thought out. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to um, acknowledge how important social media can be in building community because your this entire project started off on social media, but often we hear there, it's become divided now, right? Mm. Where the ills of social media are starting to kind of like overtake the discourse of uh, how great of a tool it can also be just mm -hmm. because of how toxic it can be and how much we can spend much like time in there um so i'm wondering how how what's your perspective in terms of like social media reconciling yeah. social media and and also i'm sure you want people to act to be out and experience these things mm -hmm. outside uh in in real life but you're also creating a different space uh, hmm. in this virtual re like world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're always tr reminded to be aware of how much screen time we spend, right? How much time we spend doing the mm -hmm. scroll of doom or <laughs> what, <laughs> doom, scroll? doom scroll. Thank you, doom scroll. <laughs> so um, maybe I just love Instagram so much that I started this project. So it could be an excuse to just be on Instagram. The all truth the time. comes out. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real though, I, I I don't, maybe I don't, maybe there's some truth in that. I don't think about it because mm. I feel like what I'm doing on Instagram is productive. Maybe it's not, but I'd like to I, think I, it is. I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> and like, honestly, um, yeah, I, I did spend, um, like, I wasn't like Instagram addicted or like, you know, spent too much time on my phone prior to this project, mm -hmm. but like, um, my personal Instagram <laughs> I've like cut down the usage and posting like I've all my social media time is now spent towards um Eastern Boulevard Gardens mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers your question I mean I I understand <laughs> totally because I also have my personal Instagram account uh -huh. and my podcast uh, account because I I really do like my privacy and want to separate those two things and I have a different approach to Instagram depending on which account I'm on. Um, when I'm on my podcast page, there's a level of it that is is work. Right. Right? This right. is me trying to communicate with people. I'm trying to to build certain relationships. I'm trying to, you know, it's, it's much more intentional. Uh, and when I'm on my personal one, it's just a little bit chaotic. And I love that. Mm. It's just like, Crazy, funny, stupid memes, a lot of quotes. Yeah, Just you're a good follow. <laughs> I follow both, and, and they're both fun. Yeah. Um, but let's get back into the, the real world now, uh -huh. into the, <laughs> the, the Boulevard Gardens, and um, talk a little bit more about your experience. Uh, I want to hear what has been the most surprising thing Mm. That you've experienced, um, kind of like being outside document documenting these gardens, gotcha, gotcha. leading your tours that you could not have anticipated in your preparation. Okay, you got your pen and pad ready. I got Can my Can you take pen. notes? So yes. there's three things I want to talk about. <laughs> okay. One, like growth. Uh huh. Two, the tours, mm -hmm. and three, um, the, the spicy part, the drama, <laughs> which I don't want to talk about much because the world's got enough negative energy in it right now. And even though, even though that shit sells, oh, sorry, I curse. Even, it's okay. We can curse. We can even curse though that here. Stuff sells. <laughs> even though that stuff sells, I like not to delve on it too much. But anyway, um, so the first thing that surprised me was um, the growth online. So not in the real world, again, reverting back to the right. virtual, like mm. um, my uptick in followers, like... Um, Increased pretty quickly um, mm -hmm. just from posting iPhone photos of Boulevard Gardens, which I thought was pretty neat and surprising. Um, the second thing was... Tours. Tours, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, so related to the growth of it um, online, 
the tours and how they came about and what they've evolved is a very fun and interesting story. So I think I think we can get into that now. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my followers who I never met um, in real life uh, had a uh, nonprofit um, based in the community, and she got a grant to host these environmental community building events um, in in her neighborhood. Um, and she, uh, this was at the beginning of the pandemic, towards the start of it, uh, just when they opened up kind of outdoor gatherings a bit more. To, um, mm-hmm. So you're allowed to gather outdoors um, in groups, um, but I think up to, I don't know, however many numbers. We kept it mm-hmm. under the numbers. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but so anyway, she approached me and she's like, hey, I have money to do these, uh, you know, environmentally themed community building events do you want to give us a tour of some of your favorite boulevard gardens Mm. and i thought sure why not you know i've never done anything like this before but we're in the pandemic the world probably seems like it's going to end (laughs) like any day now so it's been ending since (laughs) (laughs) for real (laughs) so we went for it and uh yeah i was surprised with the turnout there was a pretty decent turnout um and uh Another sub-pleasant surprise was, mm-hmm. uh, so she had money for funding reasons to get future grants mm-hmm. again. She had to pay me for the tours, mm-hmm. but I really didn't want to get paid. So I decided to donate the payment to the Mount Pleasant Neighborhood House, which is a great nonprofit in my community. Uh, look them up. They do a lot of great work. Mm-hmm. That led to the idea of hosting the tours and making them by donation with all proceeds going to the Mount Pleasant Neighborhood House. So I've been able to uh, meet some of the exec- executive staff at the Neighborhood House, work with them, mm-hmm. um, get their support for these tours, um, raise thousands of dollars for them. Um, so the first round of tours was great, but um, honestly, I'm not that ambitious. I really had no <laughs> intentions on doing the tours again. Um, until another one of my followers, um, she's a local realtor named uh, Zora. She um, approached me, who um, she, she followed me for some time, and I didn't know who she was until I got this message from her. And she was interested in, you know, as a means of promoting her um, business as a local mm-hmm. realtor, mm-hmm. she wanted to sponsor more tours. And I took that as an opportunity f- to raise more funds for the Mount Pleasant Neighborhood House. So mm-hmm. uh, we went for it, and we um, I did... A few tours with her um, sponsoring, Mm -hmm. and she printed out. Now that I had sponsorship money, I could get some nice tour handouts and materials that she had, like a graphic designer, prepare. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, just that first tour with her, like we had a great turnout. Like there were lots of people who showed up. Mm -hmm. Um, And something you touched on earlier, um, using Instagram. I need to shout out um, East Van Garden Gal. Mm. She's a local influencer who's doing great things. Greenfluencer, as I like to call us. Oh, nice. (laughs) She came out and she also brought a um, pre-Instagram local celebrity, uh, Tamara (laughs) Taggart, who um, some people might know. And she's got a fairly large following online. Um, Both of these, um, uh, East Van Garden Gal, Jen and Tamara Taggart, loved my tours. They promoted it and my followers, like, you know, skyrocketed from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so those tours were great and they've been so much fun since and they've been like the main draw of, I think, my project. Um, I've had people, neighbors, who didn't know they were neighbors, mm-hmm. meet for the first time on my tour. Like that's happened twice now where oh. people have been neighbors for multiple years now and they just chat, happen to be chatting randomly in my tour and they're like, oh, hey, we're neighbors. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yeah. So that's it's like really community great. building like in real life and also online. Neighbors mm-hmm. often or people often comment under certain posts when they see that I post their boulevard garden. Like, hey, that's right. my boulevard garden. Right. Or, or, ooh, I walk by that one every day. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so moments like that, seeing that both online and in real life are very special and gratifying. Um, so, so the tours, I'm also getting uh, like some local businesses who sponsor me, mm-hmm. um, who, who, you know, um, uh, like what I'm doing. Uh, they've donated lots of prizes so at the end of the tours i do these random giveaways where i just give prizes out to tour attendees so um i've given out prizes from dl chicken um an and chi a great vietnamese restaurant on main street i love an and chi so good <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> now. Yeah, mostly food places, Federal Store, um, you know, all these great local businesses, uh, Shameful Tiki Lounge. Mm. Um, yeah, too many to list. Sorry if I forgot you. Oh, you're too too <laughs> successful. <laughs> no, as if any of them are going to watch this. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Um, yeah, so the tours. And then can I keep going? There was a third thing. I mean, I would really love for you to get into the drama part of it all. Drama? Because I'm okay, sure yeah, everybody wants thing. to hear the drama. Okay, the drama part. Um, yeah, so, all right, so like boulevards. Um, I, I mean, for people who might not know landscape architecture and cities and stuff, boulevards are completely public property, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I like them so much. Um, when people take over a public space and kind of add their own personal touch to it mm-hmm. and enhance it and contribute to the community, it's quite a... People ask me why I don't do the other side of the sidewalk, because that's also the back boulevard. I only Mm -hmm. photograph the front boulevard, which is between the road and the sidewalk, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'll get to the drama, don't worry. So so just to say, I'm more interested in the front boulevard, because it's more on the boulevard gardener's part, like a power move, I like to call it. Like, we're going out. Like, we're going out, out. Not just outside my fence, but like, I'm going to be bold Mm -hmm. and like, enhance the public space like this. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm very much, uh, when I'm shooting my boulevard gardens i'm very much outside of private property i'm usually in the middle of the road taking pictures of the boulevard garden from the road um a front elevation shot of the boulevard garden so it could look like i'm taking photos of your home and um i've been uh yelled at and um approached aggressively and one time i'm pretty sure the person called the cops on me and um as i was yeah um and yeah that, that's just it, it sucks because you're just like i'm i'm really doing something good right, right. <laughs> and like um it's only happened a handful of times like um i want to say like 80 percent of the time that um a resident has come up to me and asked me what are you doing mm-hmm. or you know wanted to know yeah wanted to know what i'm doing um 80% of the time when I tell them, like, oh, it's just a passion project, I'm photographing the Boulevard Gardens, mm. they love it. And, right. and we end up chatting and having a delightful time. <laughs> but then maybe not 20%, 15 10% of the time, it, 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 can, it can go sideways. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know I love a good drama, so wh- how, what's the worst thing that's happened? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I gotta say it was the most recent, um, one where she, I'm 99% sure she was calling the cops. Um, and, and that's just because, so I was taking pictures and she's like, are you just taking pictures of people's phone homes? I'm like, um, by this point I've been confronted a few times. I was kind of annoyed usually i'm like uh, uh sorry like extra sorry this time i was like no i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna Stand clap back yeah, uh-huh. um, so i'm just like mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like well do, well do they know and i'm like no they don't need to know <laughs> um and, and then and then yeah my you know, I started, I humbled myself and I'm like, <laughs> and then I'm like, is, this is a passion project of mine where I'm taking photos of, of the Boulevard Gardens. I'm not doing, taking pictures of the homes, it's the gardens. Mm-hmm. And then she gives me like a very um, dismissive, like mean, um, oh, and then turns around and pulls out her phone and then she's calling someone mm-hmm. and then she's walking away. But slowly, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave because she right. killed the vibe and I just want to yes, go home now. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then so I'm like walking behind her and like every few paces she's looking back and she's looking back and um, like looking at what I'm wearing and like looking at me and talking. So I could be just making it up in my head, but it really felt like she was calling someone about me. Like right. it's, it was, it would be hard not to interpret it another way. Right. Like maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it wasn't the police. Maybe it was a neighbor. Mm. And she's like, there's a weirdo taking pictures of your right, right. home. And uh, I've, yeah, I don't know. I've, it who's to say it's because you know i'm 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 a bearded man who usually wears like street clothes and baggy clothing (laughs) and you know if someone with who looked differently uh who's to say the person who looked differently wouldn't be approached in the same manner Mm -hmm. i don't know i can't help but think they would be but 
there are just people out there. I had a recent talk with someone, actually Zora, the realtor. <laughs> she was like, when I like do some promoting, like drop stuff off for, um, when I'm going on people's properties, mm. I'm always like, oh, are they going to yell at me? And like, come to think of it, I feel like I would probably get yelled at. Like if someone's just like super defensive of their space and privacy, I've come to learn through those experiences that, okay, some people may have legit reasons for not wanting their homes photographed. Correct. They could be hiding from someone for a good reason, you know, righteous yes, reason yes, or a yeah. bad reason. They could be um, some past trauma. Maybe mm -hmm. they've been victims of stalking. Mm -hmm. So I've, from that, to put a positive note on this, uh, you know, negative drama bit, um, you know, try to try to approach it with more empathy in the same way I expect people to be empathetic towards me and not think I'm taking pictures of their phone of their homes. Mm -hmm. um, I should be a bit more empathetic, perhaps, and realize that um, some residents, some people just don't want their homes photographed. And who am I to say, well, that's not a valid reason to right, not want right. your home photographed. But technically, they're not in the photos, so there would be no way to identify. Oh, yeah. Technically, yeah. You can argue, <laughs> yeah. And it's completely legally in my right. But the last thing I want to do is upset a neighbor. Right. If anyone, I've, it's been a couple times where I've posted homes and people are like, oh, that's, they DM me. And they're like, oh, that's my home. Do you mind taking it down? And I'll take it down. Okay. And ha does that happen a lot? No, no. It's, okay. I think it's happened twice. Okay. Actually, like following up on like, because we've also spoken about uh, your experience and, and sometimes how people approach you, not in the nicest of ways. And um, I always want to give people the benefit of the doubt. But the truth is that when you are a person of certain identities, that you don't have almost the most pleasant experiences in space. And one thing that I really want to talk about is in landscape architecture, there is this tendency for us to speak about public space and parks as being this almost like equalizer mm -hmm. that Democratic we all yeah that we all should like are going to be happy and and welcomed and, and that's not always the case and so i just kind of wanted to um take some time to reflect on that because i think specifically for you because you are putting yourself out there and also putting your work out there documenting these things on what are your thoughts on this idea of uh, parks and, mm. and public spaces being this idea that they're open and welcoming idyllic. to all. Yeah, yeah, this idyllic image yeah. of them. Yeah, I mean... Um... Hmm. Hmm. Good question. Um, I think it's funny how um, my I grew up on the North Shore of uh, Vancouver at a time when there were lots. We we were very the Persians were the dominant um, minority mm -hmm. uh, historically, and um, there's still pockets around North Vancouver where you can go a block and all the commercial buildings mm -hmm. have like Farsi uh, characters and signage. Um, that's not as prominent as much as it was, but um, to answer your question, I'm starting to think a bit on back on like my own experiences with experiencing the things you describe. Um, and growing up on the North shore, I felt quite welcome. Um, never really felt too different. Mm -hmm. um, I only actually felt different and realized kind of what was happening <laughs> mm -hmm. when um, I went to UVic actually for my undergrad. Oh, okay. Because um, maybe it's changed now in Victoria, but I'm old, so this was like <laughs> 15 years ago now. Um, there were very few minorities, like visible mm -hmm. minorities there. And that's when I started to realize, um, like there were a couple instances where I was like, ooh, like that guy in the store is like looking at me in a very like yeah. harsh way. And like um, there were a couple instances of that, but more deeper than that, or maybe deeper is not the right word, but more obvious was how um, all my friends in UVic I, that I'm still in touch with and that I hung out with a lot, they were they were um, Egyptian, Persian, black. Um, <laughs> I didn't really hang out with any white people. <laughs> and, and then I started thinking about who my like day one, like, day one homies from from Vancouver are 
I visualize like yeah, like like my like two three closest closest friends are are um, you know, Asian, uh, Lebanese, and like uh, Moroccan. Mm-hmm. I was like maybe there's something there, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. growing up and nature and parks, I never really have felt that. But I know it's a thing. Um, like, what's the difference between going to a grocery store and getting looked at as opposed to going in a park and getting looked at? And f- you're still feeling unwelcome mm-hmm. outside. Um, but since I'm a landscape architect, you want me to talk about parks. So. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm you also can talk scared about... of parks because of bears. Because and... <laughs> I'm not too outdoorsy of a person. <laughs> city parks. Yeah. Shoot. Um, I don't know. Maybe we can circle back to that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I I just like to, um, I wanted to hear your thoughts because I've encountered some resistance on some projects when I was mm-hmm. asking that during a public engagement that we be intentional about asking members of like marginalized communities what makes them feel comfortable and safe. And people who have the privilege of existing in space without, like, people who are, who are not people of color, who don't experience as much um, racism, microaggressions, mm. as somebody like me, and I'm very much aware of those things, we're like, well, we don't think this is important. It's like, you really don't mm. get it. Yeah. They, it, they, it, so, yeah. It's, it, I, yeah, I just wanted to take this, this, this time to really just, like, remind everybody that while, especially landscape architects, that while like we designed with the intention of making these spaces that are inclusive and welcoming for all, that that is not the case. Mm-hmm. That you actually have to be intentional to think about the perspective and the experiences of marginalized communities and how they experience space and design from that perspective right. as well. And how do you design to make them more inclusive? Like that's a tough. That's a tough question. I got a few ideas. Do you? Okay. Part two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> part no, two. We can talk about that. Like the nature gap. Uh, if, you, mm-hmm. if anyone just Googles that, there's a body of research that shows that um, people of color are far less likely to engage in outdoor nature-based activities. Mm-hmm. And if you ask them why, they'll say, discrimination, we feel unwelcome. Yeah, microaggressions. I like that term because mm-hmm. I feel that more often <laughs> than than I think like the more outright stuff yeah which are they're both awful but I think yeah I think Vancouver is great for those like for it's, it's like that yeah it's full of those microaggressions mm-hmm. and in my experience I've also noticed that um the larger the group of people of color is mm. the more policing there is around that right most definitely so, which means that like large community gatherings, like I'm not, I cannot tell you how many times every time we have like a big gathering with like a lot of friends who are people of color, like there is always somebody who comes and it's like, you guys are being too loud. Turn down your music. I'm like, why are you allergic to people being joyful? <laughs> right. Like, what is this? Um, so anyways, I just wanted to touch on that and, uh, let's circle back to your tours and the Boulevard Gardens. Like we've spoken about kind of like how it came about. And I want to hear about your vision for the future. Where do you want to see it go? Um, you've been doing this for the past three years now, it sounds like. How would you change certain things so that, like, even talking about this idea of being more safe and more comfortable, mm. what are some of the things that you're looking to do uh, in the future with mm. this project? Yeah, like, if we were to go from, like, the um, small, like, minutia, like, short term, um, to touch on kind of as a segue, too, from what we're talking about, I just thought of this now. (laughs) I have a friend who's a graphic designer and we're going to be working together to create like a logo for me. Oh, great. So 
just thinking like right now how like if I get approached next time I could just give someone like a, like a business card or QR you yeah. know some sort of pamphlet just like <laughs> talk, yeah talk to go. my talk yeah. to my PR person <laughs> yeah aka like you, just follow these links um. yeah <laughs> yeah like um because I really do like it's still so fun for me to go on like after all these years to go on walks and take photos of Boulevard Gardens like I'm surprised how uh, like just last weekend I went on like a walk and I was like, uh, like I didn't go out on a walk with the intent of taking pictures of Boulevard Gardens. My plans got sidelined and derailed. So I was like, I guess I'll just go on a walk and I wasn't expecting it. But like I got so many great Boulevard Garden photos on that Mm. walk and there's so many more Boulevard Gardens that. Um, you know, A, I haven't captured yet because um, I like my front elevation shots <laughs> and there's often something blocking like yeah. a car more often than not. Sometimes it's something else blocking it. Mm-hmm. So I don't get the boulevard garden I want because there's something blocking it. And B, another time or the other thing is they all look different at different times of the year. Um you know, fall and winter or winter, usually the trees, uh, street trees have shed their leaves. So you can see the home behind the Boulevard mm-hmm. Garden. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've noticed and really love and appreciate about Boulevard Gardens is how they're each so unique and reflective of their surroundings. Um, you know, if it's a beautiful, well-kept, modern type of home, they'll probably have a reflective of that uh, landscape's design on their Boulevard Garden. Right. If it's a more like older hippie dilapidated type of Mm -hmm. home then the boulevard gardens is a bit more like eclectic and rough around the edges so you see them in different ways as you're as you're photographing them over the years over the seasons um and then mid midterm kind of stuff i've been uh lucky enough to have gotten a few like um speaking opportunities speaking engagements um uh that was really dope because I'm here because I love talking about this project. Um, so I do these speaking engagements for free. Some of them have been paid. <laughs> so that makes it even sweeter. <laughs> You've been um, to Pecha Kucha. Pecha Kucha. That was, was a big, big one. Deal. That was a big one. Shout out Pecha Kucha, Becky Chan, <laughs> Walrus, um, mm-hmm. all those good uh, Pecha Kucha people. Uh, that was so much fun. Um, I'm doing the interior design show in Vancouver mm-hmm. in September. Um just various like UBC Botanical Gardens has a has a club. Um there's various garden clubs and committees around the city. Uh UBC courses um related to landscape architecture and horticulture and things like that have invited me out. Um so I'm really yeah, conferences and things like that as well. So I'm really um enjoy those speaking engagements mm-hmm. because um, you know, I'm promoting this project, promoting all the good things that come out of Boulevard Gardening. And um, I'm able to just talk about Boulevard Gardens, which yeah, I can do yeah. for hours. Yeah, like, yeah. Don't get me started. Well, <laughs> but, <laughs> that's that's amazing. Well, I, I have a close friend and we hung out the other week. Like, we went to like this social thing and he's like, okay, Sabi, you're only allowed to talk about <laughs> Boulevard Gardens for five minutes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, give me 10, man. Come on. <laughs> Double it up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then, yeah. So keep doing tours, uh, social engagement, um, sorry, speaking engagements. And then the ultimate, yeah, keep adding to the Instagram, taking pictures, um, keep doing my Humans of Boulevard Gardens, which um, if anyone knows Humans of New York, uh, where they profile New Yorkers mm-hmm. and take beautiful portraits of them um, as, as New Yorkers and tell their life story within the context of being New Yorkers. I do Humans of Boulevard Gardens, where I take photos of the people behind mm-hmm. the Boulevard Gardens, mm-hmm. and I tell kind of their stories within the context of their Boulevard Gardens. So adding to those, um, and that chapter, the Humans of Boulevard Gardens, will be the main chapter of what is my ultimate goal, which is to write a coffee book type of table. Um, which has yeah yeah so just lots of photos of boulevard gardens and uh chapter of the humans of boulevard gardens and if you go on my uh instagram you'll see a lot of my write-ups are uh my captions are like longer write-ups where i talk about um kind of anything 
that jumps out to me from that photo, um, I'll, I'll speak to. Um, so uh, as a landscape architect, we have quite broad, um, our profession is quite broad. So we have a general high level understanding of many aspects of mm -hmm. our city. So um, if, if I see a particularly neat kind of um, Edwardian style home, I'll talk about, you know, not Boulevard Garden itself, but like, let's talk about this home. Like, this is a beautiful Edwardian home. Right. These are the characteristics of an Edwardian home. Or um, these street trees um, that are planted by the city. So nothing to do with the Boulevard Garden themselves, but these street trees and landscape architects love trees. So I'll talk mm -hmm. about the street yeah. trees. Um, those will also be chapters in my book where, you know, some of my best write-ups I'll, I'll write about. And people really have a strong, uh, there's a market for that. Um, people love to learn about the everyday built things that they see around them. Um, and that's really a big uh, part of my project is um, I call it environmental education mm -hmm. and nature awareness. Um, and that doesn't imply only the natural, like natural world mm. and nature and plants and ecosystems, but also our built environment. Another word um, is urban literacy. So learning mm -hmm. all the things you see around you. And um, it would be also really dope if like any art gallery people watching this, I'd love to yeah. do like a art show where um i do like collages um not collages that's not the right word but like um a grid or like right. yeah a grid of if, if you see my pecha kucha presentation which is online you'll see a lot of the yeah. slides are um like a grid uh configuration of multiple boulevard gardens um I've taken thousands of photos of boulevard gardens and it's really not so much the individual boulevard gardens themselves um, but my project is more so about how the boulevard gardens contribute to their streetscapes right. and um, highlighting their individual unique personalities and qualities and traits mm -hmm. because most gardens in a public setting, so think, for example, gardens and parks or th those that surround schools and rec centers, for example, those are installed and maintained by professionals, but boulevard gardens are done by amateurs. So you <laughs> often don't see that same level of personal expression. They just mm -hmm. look quite different um, than other garden typologies, garden mm -hmm. types that you see in public. Yeah. Um, so when you put all the boulevard gardens together and like juxtapose those positions some interesting um, patterns start to emerge and right. you notice similarities and differences um so yeah book show more tours more boulevard gardens hey listen we're ready and you know what <laughs> you have spoken it which means that you've manifested it yes so the same way that you sharing your project online garnered all that support and the sponsorships and the sharing and the growth. Hopefully, this is the beginning. Inshallah. Yes. Inshallah. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your work. Thank you. Um, I really do. Uh, the One of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you today, not only are you a super cool person that I wanted to have a conversation with, but also because you've demystified the profession of landscape architecture. You've kind of brought it down to earth mm. and used it, uh, used your photography and your tours and your passion as a way to to enter into these stories of people who are trying to beautify their communities and, and bring more biodiversity. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I appreciate you. And um, my little tradition is um, to ask my guests if they have one question for me. Oh. You get to ask me a question. Oh, boy. <laughs> but you don't have to. No, I, I got questions. Uh, you so have tell questions. me one question. questions. Okay. <laughs> well, which one? So, like, um, I want to hear about. You said you're going back to um, visit your family in Burundi, like at the end of the month or something, next month. Oh yeah, yeah. Soon. Soon in, in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> two weeks. Wow. So, like, um, I want to, I guess, know about like. Um, uh, does that really feel like like that's home for you? And like, what are some things you really want to do? You must do there. What are you most looking forward to? What are you not looking forward to? Oh my goodness! Loaded Whoa. question. Loaded question. So many things. Okay, number one, I miss home so much. And the the funny thing is, I didn't actually grow up in Burundi my whole life. 
So um, I don't have a whole lot of friends there. So when I go there, it's just family time. So it's really great for me to rest and really just spend time with my my siblings and my mom mm-hmm. and my extended family and my like my nieces and nephews. Um, the food. <laughs> Let me tell you, there is no better food than the food back home. Oh. So and I love eating. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, looking forward to a different pace. Like North America is on a different pace that I don't think is human friendly. Mm. <laughs> and so I do want to, I'm looking forward to slowing down, um, to being more grounded. I've been like so homesick lately that I feel this strong pull of you absolutely have to go home. Like it's, it's so, um, I know that, um, there's something bigger behind that that I'm not able to articulate at this moment. But it's just, I, I really feel like sometimes your land come, calls you and you have to answer the call. Mm. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to doing that, nice. to eating some good food, slowing down, and just also experiencing how rough like certain things can be like sometimes like there's no electricity and you're just like what the fuck is going on here like what (laughs) it's good to be reminded right uh because i think a lot of people here uh take a lot of things for granted that part so big um, time Mm -hmm. yeah i'm super excited i'm excited for you thank you and uh thank you for time and uh as a last, actually, how would you like people to support you um, and your project now and moving forward? Oh, um, yeah, I don't know. Just uh, show love on Instagram. Come out to the tours. Show love to Bitsy. Divine's a wonderful nonprofit. Uh, lots of synergy between our projects. Um, yeah, just B-I-D-C, B-I-D-C dot, dot C-A. Dot C-A. Check them out if, if you don't know what they're doing. Follow them on Instagram. Support support um, young... Well, I'm not young. She's young. Support, <laughs> I'm in. support the next generation landscape architects who are, who are doing, doing amazing work like you're doing um, and, and trying to diversify our profession um, and, and modernizing it. That if, if people can do that, that, that would mean the world to me. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Design Unmuted podcast. Please share this with someone who you think might find this valuable. Don't forget to subscribe and support at rameshadesign.com slash designunmuted. You can follow me on Instagram at designunmuted to stay up to date with all the things I'm working on. 